Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat if you would. Let's just, let's just open up in prayer as we think about what we just sang. Father, this morning as we, we gather, that is why we are here to behold you, to think about you, to center our lives on you. But I know each person coming in uh, to, to the building today or, or watching online it has a unique set of circumstances and there's things that have led right up to this moment that we want to just simply lay at your feet. We want to hear you, Lord. So as we open up your word this morning, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us in this, that you'd meet each person, each individual, each heart that is seeking you, and that you would speak uniquely and, and powerfully in a, in a life-changing way as we, as we seek to become more like Christ every day. Thank you for your presence with us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome. Good morning, church. Thank you. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, as you heard a minute ago, my name is, is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if we have not yet had the chance to meet, I would love to, uh, to meet and shake your hand and, and help you get to know a little more about Christ Church and kind of what we do. If, if you're newer, I would encourage you before you go today, go out in the hallway and on the wall, you'll see everything Christ Church is about, kind of in, in a snapshot. Um, from wanting to make disciples of all nations glorify God, loving God, loving others, to, to what we really value and what we focus on at Christ Church. And, and you'll notice down at the far end, if you're looking at the wall, so you go out, you look at the wall, down at the far end on the right is, is this sign, and it says strategic multiplication. And this is something that we, we celebrate, we champion, we're working at. And if you've been around, you know that um, we are in the process of planting a church, a new church up in the White Lake area. And we get questions all the time, you know, how's the church going and what's going on? And, and so the Lord, over the last year, I've been, I've been going through a training process and, and assembling a team. And, and God has got a group of people together, a core group that are excited to plant a church in, in White Lake and further the gospel and be the witness of Christ and, and the light of Jesus, the hope of the world in White Lake. And so there's so many good things going on. I wanted to just give you a quick update. Um, we are in our core group season, which means this is, we're not meeting as a church yet, but these are the people who have come together to say, we want to build the church. We want to be the leaders. We want to be the servants. We want to be the, the ones that establish the ministry and create a church for people to come to, to hear the hope of Jesus, to hear the gospel, to be loved, to live in community, and to spend the rest of their lives much like what we're seeing this morning, seeking to become more like Jesus. And, and uh, so from now until the, the fall, after Labor Day, we're going to be working hard to build teams, uh, become present in the community, and we are hoping to launch, if everything goes according to plan, after Labor Day on September 15th. And that's, that's kind of where we're at, if that's of interest to you at all. Come find me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you more. If you're in the White Lake area and you, you are interested in being a part of the core team, you can certainly jump in. And, uh, and that's just the season we're in right now and wanted to give you those updates. So with that in mind too, as we, as, uh, as we send and as we multiply, there's going to be lots of, of great leaders that are going with us and great servant leaders and positions that are vacated here at Christ Church. So I would encourage you to begin praying. If you haven't already, how can I step up into that? What would the Lord be calling me to do um, in, in the season and the chapter moving forward at Christ Church. So much more we could talk about there, but so thankful to be partnering in strategic multiplication uh, with Christ Church as we, launch, as we launch this out. And So we've been in this series called Take Aim. If you've been around, 
and we're talking about becoming more like Christ. And, and becoming like Christ is one of the marks of discipleship. A disciple of Jesus becomes more like Jesus. And, and the last couple of weeks, Pastor Brian has just been bringing it with, with these messages on, on dying to sin. I said, maybe this week we could just watch the video from last week because I need to think about that a little more. So, so good. But we're going to continue the process and, and press on today in this, uh, this journey of becoming more like Jesus. And I love the picture that we saw in baptism and hearing uh, Lauren's story is so amazing and it brings so much glory to God over and over and over when, when the Lord changes a life, when he changes somebody from the inside out. And, and then we spend the rest of our lives becoming more like Jesus. So as we approach this text today, if you've got your Bibles, go over to Ephesians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I want to just uh, talk about a couple things in preparation. Up on the screen is a, is a passage from Ezekiel 36, 26. And I want to just kind of keep this in mind as we work our way through this passage today. Now, this was written by the prophet Ezekiel about 650 years before Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesian church that we're going to be studying from today. And Ezekiel said this, speaking of, of what God wanted to ultimately do in redeeming and saving mankind, he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Let's think about that, that that's always been God's plan, his intention. Becoming like Christ is an, a journey of being transformed from the inside out. So over in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is speaking to the believers in Ephesus. He's writing a letter to the church that he had recently planted there. And they are no doubt, these, these, these young believers, this young church is feeling the tension between, between wanting to go back to the world and the, their former way of life. Ephesus was a very well-known city, high in, in the degree of prosperity and education and commerce, very, very wealthy. Ephesus, if you're familiar with world history, would have been the location of one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, which was the pagan temple of Diana. It was magnificent to look at the, the architecture and the, the, the grandeur of the city would have been breathtaking. And there's this group of believers in Ephesus that Paul is writing to and, he, and he's saying some very specific things. In chapters one through three in the book of Ephesians, as Paul does in his letters, he, he just grounds us in the gospel and, and he brings us back to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about what you do. It's not about what you don't do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. It's about what you can ever do for yourself. Just believe and receive and follow Jesus. And when you receive the justification that comes through what Jesus has done for you, it, it affects your life. And that's in chapter four, he turns this corner and he says, therefore now, in light of all of this, live worthy of your calling. You're not living for God's approval. You're not trying to earn God's approval. You're living from it because you've already received it. Protect unity, live in together with other believers. There's a variety of gifts. And in verse 15, he says that we should mature and become like Christ. Right there in verse 15. And then in verse 17 through 24, he, he talks about this journey of becoming like Jesus. Now, this is a lifelong journey. Let's read here, chapter 4, verses 7. We'll pick it up right there in 17. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, 
that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard of him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There's, there's a whole lot there. As we, as we talk about this passage today, I want to put this, this big idea in front of you. Let's read it through this lens. Becoming like Jesus is a lifelong walk of faith. It's not a one and done. It's not the day you get baptized that all of a sudden you're instantly like Jesus and you're just waiting for him to come get you the rest of your life. There is a process and it's a lifelong process. When we hear messages like this, it it can be really exciting and invigorating and it's like glorious and awesome, but then when we live it, it's very difficult and very painful. If you're newer to your faith, you you probably are reading this and going, man, this is a whole lot harder than I thought it was gonna be. If 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 you're new to following Jesus, there's this like, awesome, let's go, you're out of the blocks and running, and then once you get into this, this marathon, it's like, this is really, really hard. Or maybe you're a veteran saint, and you've been, you've been serving the Lord for a long time, and, and maybe you look back over the course of your walk of faith in, in Jesus, and, and you're like, I used to think I was really righteous, and I used to think this is probably gonna, I'm gonna get better at this as I go, and you know what actually happens the more you mature in Christ? is you realize, oh my gosh, I am so far from where where Jesus is. And God's grace is so magnificent and so big. And so this is a message that we we preach to ourselves over and over and over, no matter where you are on your faith journey. I'm also mindful that you could either be here in the building today or, or joining with us online. And as you hear this, you're contemplating your own life. And you're like, I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't, I don't know. When you read that futility and and frustration, I feel like that actually defines where I am and Paul is telling us why you're there. Becoming like Jesus is a lifelong walk of faith. Now Paul, uh, as this section of scripture, we're just gonna kind of break it into two parts. The first half, he's saying one big thing and then the second half, he's saying one big thing and that's how we're gonna approach this and talk about it. The The first step in this walk, this lifelong walk with Jesus, of becoming like Jesus, is to walk away from who you were. Walk away from who you were. Look what he says, I testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He's talking about the way you live your life, the conduct, the manner of your life, your walk. How do you walk? I like the word walk because it talks about a pace, a sustainable pace over time following Jesus, the walk with Jesus, the lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus, it's a walk. It's a sustainable pace. And Paul's saying, you're constantly going to be walking away and saying no and turning your back on who you used to be. 
That's the picture of baptism. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, in Bible language, they would have understood this to mean the Gentiles were, there was two groups of people in Bible language. There's the Jews, the people of covenant, people of God. They're the ones who cared about God, relationship with God, righteousness, holiness, all of that. And then there's the Gentiles. That's like everybody else who is far from God, doesn't care about God, hard-hearted, stubbornly rejecting truth, living for self. It's not very different. It's not different at all from the world we live in. We would just kind of put different terms on it. Believers, unbelievers, saved, unsaved, Christians, non-Christians. You call it whatever you want. They're feeling the very same tensions and temptations that we do. And so in one sense, he, he's saying, don't walk as the Gentiles do, but they're like, but we are Gentiles. Like, we are. He's like, no, you're, you're, you're not, that's not who you are. That's who you were. That's not your identity. In light of everything that God has done for you, all the way up to this part, walk away from who you were. It means your way of life. This is not who you are now. It's who you used to be. And then he goes on to say here in, in verse 17, don't, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Futility, completely pointless. All for nothing. Dead end. You could very well be here today or, or again joining us online and feel that very deeply. Like I feel like my life is just nothing but futility. Like I'm running on a treadmill. I have no idea where I'm going why I'm here, it's just futility, it's pointless. Years ago, I remember I was working in, in manufacturing and, and uh, trying to just share Jesus with coworkers, and, and there was this one coworker I was trying to minister to and, and witness, and, and one day at lunchtime, I, I just asked her, I go, you know, assuming that God is real, assuming that what I believe is true and that there is this almighty God out there and the Bible is true and he created you, he created everything, like just, for a minute, assume that that's true. If you could ask him any question, what would you ask him? Just trying to kind of, you know, stir up conversation and, and get to the heart. And, and she hangs her head, and I'll never forget it. She just hangs her head and she goes, I, I would ask him, why? Why all this? What's the point of all of this? What's the point of this? I get up, I go to work, I do the same thing over and over, I pay my bills, there's no joy. There's no real purpose in life. It's just this treadmill of meaningless nonsense. Why? And I'm like, oh man, that's what it feels like to live apart from Jesus. Futility. Dead end. He goes on in verse 18 to say they're darkened in their understanding, claiming to be enlightened. They can't see. You know, um, Paul was strategically drilling into Ephesian culture, and I would encourage you to look back over this passage at some point. One of the things that the Ephesians valued the most was, was knowledge and education. So that was really ingrained in their culture. So for him to talk about being darkened and understanding, not being taught, and specifically being ignorant, would have actually been very offensive to Ephesian culture because they prided themselves in, in all this knowledge and understanding, and he, and he says to be apart from Jesus is to be darkened in your understanding alienated from the life of God. No relationship, separated, cut off, can't find peace inside. And look what he says, because of the ignorance that is in them. This would have been extremely offensive. Have you ever had anybody call you ignorant? 
Was it like loving and positive when they said that you were ignorant? (laughs) When you sense that ignorance, you know what ignorance is? Ignorance is a lack of knowledge. You don't know. Because of the ignorance that's in them, then he goes on to say, due to the hardness of heart, this is the core human problem. This points us right back to Ezekiel 36, 26. The problem is not knowledge. The problem is not education. The problem is not that we just need more information. The problem is the hardness of the human heart. And only the work of Jesus Christ can save a person and change their heart from the inside out. That's what Ezekiel was prophesying. Paul's talking about that. See, it's not a lack of information. It's not like we need more knowledge or more information. We need our hearts to be changed. That is the work of becoming more like Christ. And he goes on in verse 19 to say they become callous. Callous. And they've given themselves up to sensuality. This is an interesting contrast. Just just think about this for a moment with me. Callous and sensuality. Callous is what happens when your your body has a mechanism of building up dead scar tissue if you're working in the yard or whatever so that you don't feel pain anymore. And he starts to draw this contrast between callous and sensuality. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying when you chase after physical pleasure and you worship physical pleasure, it's called hedonism, and you think that physical pleasure is what is going to meet and satisfy the deepest needs of your soul, you become spiritually callous. You actually lose feeling. I remember a couple years ago, uh, Chris asked me to jump up on the worship team and, and play guitar, and I used to be in the, in the worship team. And He must have been really, really desperate. It was one of those weeks where it's like, well, we could go with nothing or Jeremy, and nothing's probably a better option. <laughs> But since I feel bad for Jeremy, well, let's just let him play, you know? And I went up and played acoustic guitar, and, and when, if you ever play guitar, you know the, the strings are metal, you build up calluses on your fingertips. Note to self, don't go play acoustic guitar if you haven't played acoustic guitar in like three years. It's extremely painful. My daughter is sitting in the front row, and after service she goes, you looked like you weren't having any fun at all. Are you okay? I was like, I was almost in tears up there. It hurt so bad. Because I had lost all my calluses because my fingers were very tender and sensitive. This, this, uh, this contrast is fascinating. They've given themselves up to sensuality, hedonism. They've given themselves up. I, I, I like that he says that because certainly in the life of a believer, there's, there's a huge difference between struggling with and practicing, as he later says, and, and giving yourself up or giving into something versus struggling with it. As a believer, you're going to feel this tension. As a follower of Christ, becoming more like Jesus, we live in this tension day to day of the world and the flesh and the old man of sin, like we just saw Lauren buried in the tank, that old man wanting to resurrect and regain control and dictate what you do. This this is a daily process of walking away from who you were. It happens all the time. It doesn't happen just once. Following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, is a lifelong walk of faith. Walk away from who you were. He goes on to kind of wrap up this first section by saying they're they're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Greedy, like it's mine. I owe it. It's owed to me. I deserve it. Practice every kind of impurity, and and maybe you've experienced this in your life, that there is a downward spiral of frustrating futility. 
living a life of sin, needing more to go further, stronger, more alcohol, more drugs, more affairs, more women. I need more, more, more. And it's this downward spiral of of futility and frustration. Has anybody experienced that before? And that's what Paul is saying. That's what your life is like apart from Christ. Walk away from who you were. There is, a, there is this temptation to, in this, this draw we feel, especially if you're a newer believer, man, and you've come out of the world, those first, those first few years can be tough because the world is like, oh, just come on back. It's like a bad boyfriend, you know what I mean? Like a bad relationship that you're trying to break up out of, and it's like you keep getting called and texted, you're like, no, I'm walking away from that. Okay, and you get sucked back into it, hoping that somehow it's going to work, only to realize it's like it's still broken and still going to produce the same thing. That's what it is to walk away from sin. Living apart from Jesus is this downward spiral of, frustrate, spiral of frustrating futility. It's darkened, alienated, ignorant, hard-hearted, callous, pleasure-worshipping, greedy, and, and all along each of these things is promising you freedom and joy and peace and this is what you need and this is what's going to make you feel fulfilled and I promise this is what's going to give you peace on the inside and just delivering heartache and frustration over and over and over. Because the answer is not in those things, it's in Jesus. Walk away from who you were. And then here's the second half of this, starting in verse 20. Walk in who you are. This is so critical. Following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, it's a lifelong walk of faith. Walk away from who you were and walk in. Not not walk toward, I mean, you could go there, but walk in who you are. Look what he says in verse 20. That's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you've heard of him and were taught in him. It's kind of this little passive aggressive like shot at ignorance. Assuming that you know this, right? This is what you learned. You learned Christ. The gospel teaches us differently. That chasing the things of the world is futility but that there's true hope in Jesus. We have to constantly revisit this. And he goes on to say, as the truth is in Jesus, he's he's saying, walk in that truth. Walk in who you are. Soak in that truth daily. You see, following Jesus is, is a rhythm, and it's a pace. It's a walk. John Mark Comer refers to these things as the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. It's, it's a day at a time. It's walking a step at a time. It's, it's rhythmic. It's paced. That's why we always encourage people like make being in church a priority on the weekends. Getting into a community group like Lauren talked about, make that a priority because this is part of the rhythm and the pace of sustainability of just following Jesus. And it's the slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. Just keep walking away from who you were and keep walking in who you are one day at a time. It's a long haul. It's a marathon. And then in verse 22 through 24 is where he really gets into like the guts. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Talking about all of 17 to 20. Put off your former manner of life. Put off your old self. This is a decision you make willfully to walk away from who you used to be. It's not who you are anymore. 
That's the old you. That's the old man of sin. You walk away and then you walk in who you are. Look at this phrase at the end of 22. And if you've got a, your Bible or a highlighter or a pen, circle this. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. I don't even know if I need to say much more because the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, is already showing you. <laughs> deceitful desires. Can we think about that for a second? You have desires, I have desires. I want this, I want this, I feel this, I think this, I want it, it's my desire. And if I can have this, then I can have, what I really want is I really want peace. And I really want security. And I really want value. And I really want to be loved. I really want to be accepted. And my desires, my deceitful desires are telling me if I can have that, then I can actually have that. And it's deceitful. Have you ever been deceived before? Have you ever been promised something only to find out that it was a complete lie? The truth is in Jesus. The truth is you won't find what your heart is really longing for in the world. You won't. It's a deceitful desire. If I just had more money, if I just had a big bank account, and I, if I could just win the lottery, then I could have a sense of peace. And, and over in Matthew 13, 22, Jesus actually refers to the deceitfulness of riches. And he says, you can't worship God and money. You'll love one, hate the other. The deceitfulness of riches. The deceit is this, that if you have all this, you're totally fine. Here's the thing about money. If you got money, you don't need God. All my needs are taken care of. I don't have to exercise any faith. I don't have to worry about how the car is going to get fixed, how the bills are going to get paid. I don't have to worry about stewarding my money. I don't have to, I'm good. I have, all of my worries are relieved. <laughs> it does sound kind of tempting, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm being honest. And I'm not talking about stewardship of money or, or to live foolishly, of course, but we never trust our money. The error is, is in putting your faith and your security in your bank account. That's the deceitfulness of riches because it can be taken in a moment. There's, there's one thing that's more secure than your money in your bank account, and that is the fact that God will provide for you. Where is your faith? Where does your heart rest? Is your faith in your money or is your faith in the provider of all your needs? That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's like, man, the, the money could be gone overnight and I'm like, well, that was not great, but I'm not gonna go jump out a window and kill myself because my God just died. I'm just gonna go, okay, that was how you provided then. Lord, how are you gonna provide now? Because my worship and my heart rests in, in the provider, not in the provision. Accomplishments, power, position, deceitful desires. If I could just have that job or be in that place, if I could just have that position, then I'd be important. Then I'd be significant. If I could just achieve those things. You talk to people who've achieved the things of the world. Tom Brady, six, however many Super Bowls. And he's like, is something just empty? Jim Carrey being like, I wish everybody could uh, earn all the money and have all the fame so they could realize that it doesn't actually make them happy, you know? We know these things. It's, it's, it's a deceitful desire. It's lying to you. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, it's a lie. It's a lie. Trust me. Put that off. Put off the old man. Walk away from who you used to be and walk in your new man, your new person. Walk in who you are. Sex, lustful fantasy, 
This is a big one, deceitful desires. You know what the, the deepest need of every human being is, male or female, is that we need to be loved, valued, known, a place to belong, respected. We, we need to be wanted and needed. And the deceitful desire is that you'll find that in sex. It doesn't work. And that's why, that's why when people rush into sex and living together, they end up in broken shambles later because you're trying to build a relationship on something that is not the foundation. You understand that? Sex doesn't keep marriages together. It doesn't. Some of y'all young people are like, oh, I was hoping that that was going to be the answer. It's not. It's not. And so then, then it, this, this, man, the enemy, he dangles these things in front of you, these relationships and pornography and, and other women and, and coworkers. And you know, you know where your heart goes? Man, I'm starting to think about what would it be like to be married to that person? What would it be like to be with that person? If I could just have that, then I'd be happy. Then I could feel fulfilled. I'm really frustrated in my marriage. And so I, because it's broken, my answer, is, my desire is to leave that. It's a deceitful desire. It's not the answer. You might be in the building today or you might be watching online and you're like, I'm actually laying plans or have plans right now to leave my spouse. I'm currently cheating on or unfaithful and, and I'm, I'm getting ready to go and I'm saying by the spirit of God, stop dead in your tracks right there. Just stop. It's a deceitful desire. It's not gonna deliver. It's not gonna deliver what it's promising you. Walk away, walk away from who you were, walk in who you are. In relationships, these, these deceitful desires can be like, well, I, I'm gonna, I desire to lash back because I'm angry and I feel disrespected. And therefore, I'm okay to be angry and disrespectful because I feel that way. It's a deceitful desire. Substances, alcohol, drugs, I mean, you name it, these things, it's, it's a downward spiral of frustrating futility. You've probably experienced it. That's why Paul's like, put that off. That's who you used to be. It's not who you are. Walk away from who you were and walk in who you are. Those desires, those deceitful desires, they will never satisfy over in Mark 9:48, Jesus described hell itself as a place where the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies. That's a picture of living in sin apart from God, is that this fire is never quenched. That, that burning fire you have and that lustful fire that you have is never quenched. There's not a woman, there's not a man that can quench that fire. That worm, it's just gonna keep eating and eating until it eats away everything in your life and you'll, you find yourself in a place of brokenness and you've lost everything and you, and you have a wake of destruction behind you because of deceitful desires. That's why Paul's saying, walk away from that. Walk away from that. I know it promises big, but you're not gonna like what it delivers. Walk in who you are. Put off your old self, which belongs to its former manner of life. And then in verse, skip ahead to 24, put off the old man, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. Now between verses 22 and 24 is how you do that. How do I put off the old man and put on the new man? Verse 23 be renewed in the spirit of your minds. In your Bible there, look at the contrast 
right there in verse 23, and maybe circle that renewed in the spirit of your minds and draw a a line back to verse 17, the futility of their minds. The way that we put off the old man and put on the new, the daily walk of becoming more like Jesus, this lifelong walk of faith is a process of having our minds renewed. The way that we think. Maybe we need to stop for a minute and just think about what we're thinking about. It's curious to me that he says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You catch that? He doesn't just say be renewed in your minds or be, just be renewed in your thinking. He says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Very intentionally. Because there are spiritual forces at work that are controlling the way that people think. This is why, back to Ezekiel 36, 26, God said, I'm going to put my spirit within you and I'm going to give you a new heart. And when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to live and dwell within you. The Holy Spirit as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as one who's becoming more like Christ in this lifelong walk of faith, it's the Holy Spirit who governs our thought life. You see that? Submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and he is in you even right now going, that thought's got to, that's a wrong thought. That's a deceptive uh, desire. That's a lie. That's not true. Live in the truth. Soak in the truth. Daily abide in Christ. I'm going to go back again and just kind of bang the drum. That's why it's so important to just build into the rhythm of your life, being in church on the weekend, so that you hear things like this, bringing you back to the truth. Go to community group and open up and be honest and be transparent and go, this is where I'm really at. I'm struggling. Man, that old man of sin. Anybody else felt that one this week? That old man of sin, he, I let him out. I let him out. I did it. And I've got to walk away. I've got, I've got to just turn right now. This is repentance. I'm going to walk away. I'm walking away from who I used to be. That's not who I am anymore. I'm walking in who I am in Christ. Soaking in the truth. Abiding in Christ. Resolving to worship God alone. Who do I look to for my provision? Who do I look to for my security? Who do I look to for my identity, for my purpose, for my value? I don't look to the world to meet those needs because they can't. It doesn't work. It's futility. I find who I am and I find my love and my acceptance and my purpose and my value and my identity and my calling. All of that, I find that in Christ and I worship him alone. That's what it means to be a passionate worshiper. I constantly acknowledge my my need in prayer. I soak in the truth of God's word. I worship Christ alone. I I constantly acknowledge my need in prayer. I open up in trusted community. And I'm honest about where I'm really at. Discipleship is the constant process of having your mind renewed. It's, It's a pace, okay? Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I put off the old man of sin and I put on the new, the new person of who I am in Christ by renewing my mind. Instead of looking to money and power and, and accomplishment, I look to Jesus. I trust him. I trust God to be my provision. I trust God to give me a sense of purpose and calling. He created me. 
It's not about where I live or how much money I have or what title or what letters I have before or after my name. That does not identify who I am. Who I am is who I am in Christ. I'm a child of God. And there's a big difference between living out of who you are and not knowing who you are. You see, when you live out of who you are, you live like this, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I'm loved by God. I'm valued by God. I'm a child of God. I may struggle with alcohol. I may struggle with greed. I may struggle with temptation towards lust and porn. I may struggle with anger and control. I might struggle with gossip and lying. I might struggle with substances. I'm, I, I'm a, but I'm a child of God. That's not who I am. Who I am is a child of God who does struggle in these things, and that's why I'm going to be open, and that's the process of becoming more like Jesus. It's putting off the old and putting on the new. It's not a one and done. If living apart from Jesus is a downward spiral of frustrating futility, living in Jesus is an upward ascent of fulfilling freedom. That's the call here. To become like Jesus is a lifelong walk of faith. Let me encourage you with with just one more thing here before we we close and the the band comes out and we have a little bit more time to worship. In this, this process, this lifelong journey... You're going to need a lot of grace. Be patient. It's, it's going to be over and over and over and over and over and over. And this is what I was, I was talking about earlier. If I'm, if I'm being really honest, when I was new in the Lord, I used to think like, man, I'm going to get really good at this and I'm not going to deal with my flesh anymore the more I follow Jesus. Didn't really work out. Has anybody else experienced the same thing as me that the further you go along, the more you're like, oh my gosh. I need so much grace, y'all. <laughs> and the truth is, is that you needed it all along. You just didn't realize it. You thought you were way more mature than you were. You see this progression in Paul's life? This is so funny to me. Paul starts out by going, you know, I'm not the least of the apostles here. I'm, I'm not, you guys should listen to me too because I'm not the least of the apostles. And then later in his life, he goes, you know, Actually, I, I really am. I'm, like the, I'm at the bottom of the barrel of the family of God. I don't even deserve to be in the family of God. I'm at the bottom. I'm not the least of the apostles. To I'm, I'm at the bottom of the family. And then you know what he calls himself towards the end of his life? He goes, actually, guys, it's even worse than I thought. I'm the king of sinners. This progression of walking with Jesus, not, not, this is not a hopeless thing. This actually is a very encouraging thing if you understand it rightly. It's been about grace the whole way. It's never been about you. The more you go along and the more you realize how badly you need to put off and put on and how badly you need the grace of God, you actually begin to get a right view of how incredibly amazing the grace of God is. That's the walk of faith. That's becoming more like Jesus. And then this is what happens internally is you start to get freed up in the grace of God and you don't need to compete. You don't need to perform. You don't need to compare. You don't need to wow everybody with anything. You're just free in who you are in Christ and you realize there's nothing you could do, nothing you couldn't do to ever earn God's favor or lose it, that he loves you, that he's doing it. It's his work from beginning to end. This process of putting off and putting on is a continual process. And when you begin to receive the grace of God and just walk in it, it happens all the time and you begin to get a a much bigger picture of God and a much smaller picture of self.
where there's humility, there's grace. As you receive grace that way, it becomes impossible that you don't just freely give it away. Instead of being harsh and judgmental and critical of everybody else, you're like, how could I, when I know how bad I need it, (laughs) when I know how screwed up I am, when I know what happened behind closed doors, what I said, what I did, and I'm going, man, that's the old man of sin. I have to walk away from that. I walk away from who I used to be and I'm walking in who I am. I am a child of God. I struggle. I struggle in things. I'm still sinful. I'm not all the way to being like Jesus. But it's a lifelong walk of faith and I need need a ton of grace, church. And I'm sure you do too. So let's receive it and then let's just freely give it away. Now this I say, let me just read this passage to you one more time. We'll pray and close. This I say, And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Becoming like Jesus is a lifelong walk of faith. You're constantly walking away from who you were and walking in who you are. There might be a step of faith for you to take this afternoon of just simple repentance, maybe of of a relationship in your life, or just even between you and the Lord first, that you realize that you have been living in the old man. You've been living in the old self. And today it's like, I, I, I need to repent. I need to walk away from that. Maybe there's someone you need to apologize to and go, the way that I acted, what I said, what I did, that is the old man of sin. That's not That's not who I am anymore and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for that. Get right with God first and then get right with with others second. You walk away from who you are. You walk in who you are. Walk away from who you were. Walk in who you are. I'm also thinking and praying for people this morning who maybe you've never actually come to Christ and you're hearing this like, I need to make that first step towards Jesus. Watching online in the building today, you're like, I've lived that life of futility. I've experienced that downward, frustrating, downward spiral, spiral and I, I want out. And I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus is he's who you're looking for. He's your savior. He's your Messiah. He is the hope of the world. There, there is no other way to salvation except through Jesus Christ. Why don't we take a moment and pray? Each of us have a different response to this and we'll take some time in worship and, and response. Lord, First of all, thank you for your grace. I pray that we would see it and understand it and understand our need for it in a much, much greater way for we are broken and you've loved us and you've not left us in our brokenness, in our futility, in our frustration, but you've made a way and you give us true hope in Jesus Christ. And for the one or those who have not ever put their faith in and trusted Jesus for salvation. I pray this moment, this moment now, or maybe even for someone who's watching later 
online, that there would be a, a moment of change that Ezekiel 36, 26 would happen for that person who's watching, who's listening, who's in the building, that that old heart of stone, that old heart that is cold and callous and hard and, and rebellious and stubborn, that you would take that heart out of that person and put a new heart of flesh and that you would put your spirit, your Holy Spirit within them, that you would save that person. Lord, would you save and redeem and heal and do what only you can? And for those of us who are either newer, we've begun the journey recently or have been on the, the journey of faith becoming like Jesus for a long time, it is a continual process of putting off, putting on and walking away and walking in. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would just bring a great conviction of truth and righteousness um, for each person where they are, what they need to put off and put on, what they need to walk away from and walk in. Each of us struggling with different things. Lord, if there are deceitful desires that are just being dangled in front of people, I pray that, that the truth would conquer the lie and that people would turn away from deceitful desires and, and turn to trusting and hoping in you. We thank you, Lord. We worship you alone. May we just soak in and abide in your word and, and live in community and just live in these, these rhythms of grace all the time as we become more like Christ. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.